Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask you to speak by the power of your Spirit through your Word and encourage us and help us to understand what the ascension means and what that means practically for us. Lord, we pray that in this Sunday after the ascension day, the seventh day of Easter, that you would reveal your truths deep, deep down in our heart. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're thinking about winning and who will win. Well, it depends on what you're talking about, isn't it? We may have different answers. As much as it pains me to say it, and it does pain me to say it, Liverpool FC have only two games to win and the Premiership are trying to think of how they get back uh, to playing football so that rightfully they win the Premiership. Will COVID-19 win as wave after wave it comes back? As America heads to the polls this November, will Donald Trump win? Well, these opening verses that David read for us from the book of Acts, will they tell us ultimately... Jesus wins. Not the premiership or the US election or our health, but wins in terms of global triumph as the supreme king of every single one of us. And every single person who lives on this earth. And as we begin to read Acts, you may notice that this is the second volume in a series of two. The account that Luke has written about Jesus, taken together, Luke and Acts, take up about a quarter of the New Testament. That's how important they are. Luke was a medical doctor and a very careful researcher. And he wrote his books about 30 years after Jesus died. He was writing to encourage Christians to go on believing the truth about Jesus and to hold out the truth to those who are not yet believers. So whether you're a Christian or not, These, this two-volume book is for each one of us. And Luke begins this volume, Acts, with a declaration that Jesus will win. Now, at the moment, it doesn't look like that, does it? The church in the West is on the back foot. People are leaving. Maybe you feel like that if you're your only Christian in your family or in your workplace. Being on Jesus' side, to be honest, feels like being on the losing side. But that's not ultimately true. Because what Luke is going to do is to combine three truths for us, which are going to show us that Jesus wins. God's king wins. So let's look at his glorious ascension, his global commission, and his guaranteed return. The first point this morning, his glorious ascension. If you've got a Bible in front of you, you'll see that Jesus wants us to know how important the ascension is. Look at verses 1 and 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. And then in verse 9, Luke tells us how it happens. It says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now, when it says a cloud there, don't think of a dark rain cloud. No, think of the clouds as we were thinking about last Sunday night, as we were thinking of 1 Kings 8. Think of the cloud of the glory of God. 
that cloud that led God's people through the wilderness, that pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. And now Jesus has sent into the cloud moves, he's, means that he's moved into the very center of God's glory, to the place where he was before he came to earth, to a place where he rightly belongs. This was a glorious ascension, and it took place in history 40 days after his resurrection. Although we have celebrated Ascension Day last Thursday, and although we said most weeks, and we said it this morning, didn't we, in the Apostles' Creed, we don't make much of Jesus' ascension, do we? But we should. Because not only is it historically true, it also has implications for you and me this morning. It's what guarantees that Jesus is God's king over everything. God has granted all dominion, all power, all power, all glory to a man, the Son, Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've read or watched The Lord of the Rings by J.R. Tolkien. But peace only comes when a man rules on the throne of Gondor. He becomes king of Middle-earth. Only then, the race of men, when they rule once more, is their peace. Let me tell you another story. In 1953, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay were the first men to officially reach the summit of Mount Everest. It took up a couple of days for the news to get back, first from a runner, uh, down to the foot of the mountain, then to a coded message uh, from James Norris, then a telegram to the British Embassy in Kathmandu. The news of the successful ascent reached London in time to be released on the morning of the 2nd of June, Queen Elizabeth's coronation. So Ascension Day came on the same day as Coronation Day. And what was true in 1953 is supremely true in AD 33. When they ascended, Christ went into the glory of heaven. He was crowned, not just king of one country, but king of kings and lord of lords over all people everywhere for all time. The resurrection proclaims that Jesus lives forever. The ascension proclaims Jesus reigns Forever. I wonder, is that what you think of Jesus? Or do you have too view, too low a view of him? Most of us do. We either line him up beside the great leaders in history, Muhammad, uh, Buddha, Gandhi, Mandela. But we need to see the ascension places Jesus in a league entirely on his own. He's not just Jesus the Great. He's Jesus the Only. And maybe as Christians, we live our lives without much reference to Jesus. But you know, one of the greatest privileges of Christianity, both now and in the world to come, is to behold the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so look, the glory of the ascended Jesus, it's a glorious ascension that makes sense of the next point, the Global Commission. Because if Jesus is reigning as king over all the earth, it follows that his followers must proclaim his reign everywhere at all times. 
And that's what Jesus is doing here as he sends to the Father. He commissions his disciples to be his witnesses, to proclaim his kingship in the kingdom of God. So before Jesus leaves, he makes provision for the disciples. And let's just see how he does it. Look at verse 2. He takes the apostles, remember, Judas Iscariot isn't there anymore, he's died. He takes the others and he instructs them. Verse 3, he gives them many proofs that he has risen from the dead. Maybe you're watching this morning and you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Can I encourage you to look at the many proofs that there are in the Bible? Can I encourage you to come on a Christianity Explored course and to study the resurrection for yourself? Don't listen to what others say. You study it yourself. Then in verse 4, Jesus commands the apostles to stay in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit. And we'll see how that happens next Sunday, on Pentecost Sunday. And notice what the Holy Spirit was given for, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And what's the reason? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus' apostle will be witnesses to the truth that Jesus is God's king of all people for all time. That will start in Jerusalem, their home city, and then expand out to the very ends of the earth. Think of a stone being thrown into a lake. First of all, there's a splash, and then the ripples go out in circles, don't they? Well, in the book of Acts, Jesus and his kingship are the stone that makes the splash. The ascension is what makes the splash. Then we see the ripples going out first to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And in so many ways, Acts 1 verse 8 is the key verse in the whole of the Acts. For in chapters 1 to 7, we see the gospel go out to Jerusalem, and chapters 8 to 12 to Judea, and then Samaria, and then chapters 13 to 28 to the ends of the earth. And it's clear that the apostles, Jesus' followers, are going to need power to do this. Because in verse 6, they're still confused. Have a little look. Then they gathered around them and asked them, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Well, there's something right in what they're saying here. Jesus is the king who is able to restore the kingdom of God. But there's an awful lot wrong in what they say. Because they're expecting a political, a territorial kingdom in a sort of, well, dare I say it, in a kind of Islamic way. They're thinking of territory, geography. Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But look, the kingdom is not a territorial kingdom. It's a spiritual one. The kingdom of God is not a rule, is a rule, not a place. It's where Jesus is acknowledged as Lord. That's why we Christians aren't land grabbers. We're not looking for physical land here. We're looking for our home. The kingdom of God is spiritual and not territorial. And they're expecting a, a national kingdom. They wanted Israel for Israel. But the kingdom of God is not national. It is international. It's no longer tied to the people of Israel. And I love it when our church gathers. And it's brilliant having George with us and his family now, because not only do we have Thai and people from Hong Kong? But we have people also from Nigeria. And it's great to see God's kingdom and to hear of God's kingdom grow throughout all the world. 
You know the way, you know the place where the church is growing fastest? And this might surprise you. Iran. Iran. At an average rate of 5.2% each year. In 2015, there were 250,000 Christians from Muslim background in Iran. So the kingdom of God is international, not national. And then they're expecting an immediate kingdom. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? The answer is no. Because the kingdom of God is not just at once arrived, that's it. It grows. It grows. It expands as Jesus' followers witness to Jesus to the ends of the earth. You see, Jesus' kingdom is brought in not by war, but by truth. And it's what happens is the Holy Spirit empowers these apostles to grasp this message and to share it. That's what happens. And if you look at the top of Acts 1, this book is sometimes called the Acts of the Apostles. The, act, the apostles acting out this global commission to take this gospel out. The question for us this morning is, will we carry on where others have left off? Will we get about and get on with being Jesus' commissioned witnesses, bringing his message to the ends of the earth? Will we proclaim Christ faithfully to the nations? But it's not just a big tent mission or a specific week and then we can get on with the rest of our lives. Those things have their place. It is witnessing all the time. So we are part of God's plan and God's plan will succeed. So through us or through other Christians, God will get the good news about his son Jesus, his king, to the ends of the earth. But that being the case, let me ask another question. I ask it to myself as I ask it to you. Am I on the winning side? You see, if Jesus will win, the big question is, am I on the winning side? Maybe you don't think about that too much. Maybe you don't think it matters. But it really matters because the ascension of Jesus guarantees the return of Jesus. One day, every single person will see the return of Christ. And they will see that he has won. So having seen his glorious ascension and his global commission, we're now going to look at his guaranteed return. There's a lot of talk, or at least there was before COVID-19, about how the church needs to make itself more relevant. And I wonder what you think would be the most relevant thing about Jesus. His teaching. His compassion, his example, his death. Those things are important. But actually the next thing that Jesus is going to do is he's going to come back. That's the next thing in his diary. So given our place in human history, the most relevant thing about Jesus is his return. And we say this most weeks, in the Apostles' Creed, don't we? That he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do we believe it? It's what the angel said to the Apostles in verse 11. Look at it. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking in the sky? The same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. 
Do you see how the ascension guarantees the return of Christ? Now I can't tell you when it's going to happen. I don't know what day it's going to be. Let me tell you about a little girl who was worried about the return of Christ. She said to her mummy, Mummy, do you believe that Jesus is coming back again? Yes, dear. Do you believe he might come back today? Well, possibly, dear. Could he come back in a few minutes? Well, he might, dear. Well, mummy, will you please brush my hair then? We don't know when it will happen, but we do know it will happen. And when it happens, it will be clear that Jesus wins, that God wins. And the right way for us to be ready for him is not about us combing our hair or smartening ourselves up. The right way to be ready for our Savior and our King is to trust in his finished work, to repent of our sins and to trust in his work on the cross and buy our lives under his kingship. Final story. The story is told about a horse in a wagon with a little boy in it. It bolted off down the road and a young man saw this young child in the back of this wagon and raced and risked his life to stop the horse and wagon and finally got it to a halt and saved the little boy. Well, that little boy grew up he didn't grow up to be a nice guy. He grew up and he was a murderer. And one day he stood before a judge to be sentenced. The lad turned round and recognised the judge as the man who had saved him as a little boy. And so he pleaded for mercy. As you saved me then, save me now. The words from the judge silenced his plea. He said, young man, then I was your saviour. Today I am your judge, and I must sentence you to be hanged, for you are guilty. Today, this morning, Jesus Christ, the Saviour of all, who put their trust and bow to him, acknowledging their guilt. Today, Jesus can say to you, I will forgive you. I will fill you with my spirit. I will be your king, and I will shepherd you. But there will be a day when the Saviour will be the judge. And on that day when he returns, it will be clear that he is one. And if we have not humbled ourselves, on that day it will be too late. On that day he will say to those who haven't trusted in him, who haven't bowed to him, who haven't repented, then I was your saviour. Today I am your judge. If you're watching and you're not a Christian, can I thank you for listening so far? But can I also make an appeal? What's stopping you? Let's hold you back from trusting in Christ. Not because we need more and more people to come and sit with us in Donna Cloney or Waring's time, 
No, it's because Jesus Christ is truly glorious. And he really is coming back. He is king. He will win. And there is nothing more important in life than to be on his side. And if we're Christians, well then have confidence that we're on the winning side. Let that confidence help you keep on following Jesus this week and every week. Let that confidence fuel your witness to King Jesus. Let's not think that because we're Christians, we can put up our feet. Why not ask someone, a neighbor, a friend, somebody on a phone, why don't you video call someone and ask them to read the Bible with you? Why not invite someone to come on Christianity Explored when we run it again? See, we've been called by Christ and filled with the Spirit so that we can be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so on the phone, talk to your friends about Jesus. When you meet now with those five other people you're allowed to meet with outside, talk to them about Jesus. And this matters because this Jesus who was taken up into heaven will come back in the same way those apostles saw him go into heaven. Jesus wins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've shown us Jesus' ascension into heaven. And you've made the apostles eyewitnesses of those things to show us your King, the Lord Jesus Christ, wins. Help us to see his glory, to bow our lives in repentance and faith to your King Jesus. Empower us by your Holy Spirit today to tell the world of that same Christ. May his name pour forth from our mouth in praise. And Lord, we pray that you would prepare each one watching this for his return. May we expect it daily and live in the light of it. For then he will be both saviour and judge. Lord, this matters so deeply. And so let us have confidence to share Christ with others. And help us to see how much this matters. To see it matters where we are with Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. We pray that this service has been an encouragement to you, a challenge and a help to build you up in your faith in Christ. We've now ended our church service and we'd be delighted if you can join with us again. Thank you for being with us in Donna Cluny Parish. God bless you.